1: Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House USA, the place where you get the chance to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders in America. My name is Nick Hoadley and I'm the CEO of Insurance Search. We specialize in helping insurance businesses grow and multiply their growth by attracting, recruiting and retaining the highest performing insurance professionals in the country. Each week in The coffee house, we interview leading insurance business leaders and discover how they achieve their success, learn what advice they have for other aspiring insurance business leaders, and we discover what makes their business an attractive proposition for high-performing talent. This week, we have an insurance coffee house. first. We don't have one insurance executive. We don't have two insurance executives, but we have three members of the senior leadership team at Intercare joining us on the show today. Welcome everybody. And for our listeners, we have Jane Miller, who is the Senior Vice President of Managed Care. We have Amy Evans, who's the Vice President of Liability Claims. And we have Maggie jal Senior Vice President of Workers' Compensation Claims. Welcome to the show, everyone.
0: Thanks for having Thank us Thank you.
1: It's, it's great to have you all, three of you joining us on the show today and really looking forward to hearing more about the work that you're doing there at Intercare. I can start off, Amy, if you wouldn't mind just giving us an overview of Intercare, the work that you do there ac- across the United States, and a little bit more of an insight into your career and your background.
0: Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, Intercare is a U.S.-based third-party administrator. We serve the property and casualty claims and risk management needs of private businesses, public entities, captives, risk retention groups, and carriers. Uh, Janie's with InterMed, which is our managed care division. Uh, they provide utilization and medical bill review, nurse case management, lien resolution, triage, and telehealth services. Uh, InterCare's been in business for 27 years. Uh, we are privately held. We're a great mid-size organization. I head and lead the liability division we specialize in claims and risk management guidance with regard to professional liability, whether it be medical liability, healthcare, dental, ENO, DNO, EPli, general liability, products liability, and auto. So basically, all lines of liability. I'm an attorney by trade. We have uh, numerous attorneys and nurses and dental hygienists on our staff on the liability
1: side. Thank you, Amy. I really, really appreciate that, Janie. Moving on to yourself, if you, if you wouldn't mind, just giving our listeners a little bit of an insight into your background and and your career path.
2: Absolutely. My name is Janie Miller. I'm the Senior Vice President of Managed Care. And really it's our role to take care of the injured party, whether it be the injured worker, making sure that we get prompt delivery of medical care and on the liability side, we're reviewing medical bills, making sure that what's been provided is actually related to the injury. I started my career actually as a OR surgical tech working in the operating room next to a physician and really loved that portion of my job. But as I advanced my career, I was actually on the claims side. I started as looking at medical bills and determining relatedness to the injury. And it was just like a logical adjunct of services to take my medical background and my claims background and to really grow from that area. So I've worked my way up through claims and actually for about the last 15 years have held senior leadership positions. So thank you for having us here today, Nick.
1: It's a pleasure to have you joining us today, Janie. Um, really looking forward to hearing some of your insights as we go through the interview today. Last but not least, Maggie, would you mind giving our listeners a little bit more information on your background and the work you now do there at Intercare?
3: Absolutely. Hello, everyone. I am Maggie Jell Teresian. I actually lead the Workers' Compensation Claims Administration for Intercare. I also oversee the audit, compliance, and training divisions. And I have over 31 years of experience in the industry. And 27 of that has been in management. And it's been a really exciting roller coaster for me. Here at Intercare, we handle all kinds of programs from self insured, private, carrier, captives. Um, joint powers authorities, self-insured pools. So we administer um, any type of business. We do business for um, carrier as well too. So we provide administration arm for the carrier business. So um, it's been a really great um, experience for me here being at InnerCare.
1: Fantastic. It's it sounds like it's a really wide ranging and uh, multi portfolio TPA. And so it's great to have all three of you on today and, and discuss sort of the the breadth of the not only of the industry but of the company itself as we are in the insurance coffee house today can I start off by asking Amy what's your go-to coffee of choice in the morning
0: (laughs) that's a great question uh I like a an iced latte with almond milk
1: oh very nice and Maggie what's yours
3: mine is double shot Nespresso
1: and Janie
2: a hazelnut latte if I can muster up the effort to get it together. If not, it's just a straight hazelnut dark roast.
1: Uh, Sounds nice. Sounds nice. Thank you so much for for giving us that information. I think it's really good for our listeners to understand a bit more about the business and also your backgrounds. First of all, I've got a question for Maggie. Maggie, how how did you break into C-suite or your leadership position And how did you find that transition from your previous role?
3: So I think for me, the most important factor when I first started in the industry back in 1989, believe it or not, was for me to become an expert in my field. So I felt like I had to learn the field, master it, which was a workers' comp field. So that would earn me the respect from my teammates and also felt that in order for me to be a good leader, I had to be able to help my own staff. So I took it upon myself to take additional courses and licensing, which was not required um, of me at that time. So early on in my career, and actually started from the bottom, I started as a claims assistant and moved my way up very quickly and broke into my first leadership position as a supervisor within four years. So I wanted to become that go-to person for my company because I saw that people kind of got nervous and panicked when there was a change, either in our internal processes or within the law, because workers' comp is very fluid and there's so many changes almost weekly, believe it or not. So I've always been that helping and nurturing type of a person. So I felt like I had to step up and be that go-to person. So I wanted my, for my colleagues and management to have someone to rely on and go to for advice instead of going to the outside. Um, so Because we have legislative and regulatory changes and updates happening all the time here with the work comp world. We have new case laws almost on a weekly basis. So we needed someone to digest and explain that and train the staff. So I volunteered to do that. So I volunteered myself for all company projects and i did not mind to work long hours i you know traveled while raising a family i have two sons i felt that i like i had to be a good role model so for my family so that they too can be successful in their lives i took on additional responsibilities for the company so i can show to our executives that i'm always ready to advance and whenever the opportunity came up that i i, I was willing to take that additional obligation so I was not afraid to also walk into their offices whenever I thought of a great idea that I felt like can help the company improve and grow and become more efficient. So I didn't wait for like a position to open up or be available for me to apply to. I made it known to our executives that I was looking forward to a change. I was looking forward to advancement and I was ready and I was showing to them that I could be that person. So, um, I mean, change motivated me and excited me when everyone else was intimidated and terrified around me and and sometimes saw it negatively. So I would embrace it until now. Years later, I still embrace change. I dive into it. Um, I mean, I remember I was in, in my early 20s when I noticed that everyone complained about change and I um, really didn't want to accept it. Um, I don't know if it's my background, um, if it has anything to do with that. Coming from a different country, from the Middle East, I didn't always view change as positive because I had to. That was the only way that I could survive. Um, so the change caused some, something in me where instead of seeing it in a negative way in my life, I searched for the positive from from it. I didn't dwell in the negativity and always like search for the lesson behind it. So I'm also very competitive in nature, (laughs) uh, you know, as my colleagues know it by now. So I, you know, competed for the same positions that my colleagues competed for and applied for. Um, And actually, I have some employees right now who were my uh, previous bosses. So that's, you know, that's very unique. But I also, you know, see their talent. You know, I work with them. Um, I, I recognize that they work hard and they have different talents mm. that are different from, from mine. So um, I want to give them that chance to showcase their talents and uh, possibly go into other types of uh, valuable positions where they can, you know, flourish. So when I see that someone has a special skill or the willingness to and confidence to take on that responsibility, I encourage them to take it. And most importantly, I believe in them and work with them and help them to advance. Sometimes they even um, get discouraged, but I push them. I just want to give them the opportunity um, because I know that others did for me. So I want to return that favor to them if they find out that they
1: qualify and they're well deserving. Fantastic, Maggie. It sounds like leadership's absolute natural position for you to be in. And we've actually discussed on previous podcast episodes that. Actually, in order to be a good leader, you don't necessarily have to have that position. It sounded like you had a lot of those skills already before you were even actually in, in a job role that that required leadership. You, you already showed those qualities um, ability to embrace change must be really beneficial in the work that you, you do there. What, what would you say has been your, your biggest achievement so far in your leadership career?
3: I think for me, um, especially going transitioning from previous roles into leadership, um, you know, my colleagues were prepared for it um, and they anticipated it. So and then they embraced it. And and then I made a difference in their lives. And this is, you know, years later, I have my staff who tell me this where I've, the, the ways that I've touched them and the ways that I've helped them in their career and also in their family decision-making sometimes they've told me, you know, where they've had to share stories of, of things that have happened throughout the years, uh, because most of the staff that I have have been me, have been with me for many years. So they would share the stories with their family and it would make a difference in their lives. So, you know, making a difference in people's lives, whether it was, um, you know, past or present employee I even have employees who have left the company and still in contact with me um, and share their successes and and, um, see me as a mentor. I think for me, that's the most important and biggest achievements is to be that that person where people see me as their mentor Mm -hmm. and and me being able to make a difference in other people's lives. It's not about me climbing the, the, the ladder, the corporate ladder, and getting into leadership roles. It's being able to help. Others and making a difference in in other people's lives.
1: Yeah, that, that's fantastic. Thank you. Moving on now, Janie might be a, a slightly difficult question to to answer, but have you ever had a time in your career where you've been overlooked for a position or an opportunity, and how do you go about dealing with that?
2: You know, I think you know you're disappointed, obviously. I mean, when, especially when you've worked hard for something. But you know, I I took it as really a learning experience. And when I tried to uh, go from uh, middle management to senior leadership, I was actually passed up for a role that I felt I would be good at. So instead of focusing on the negative, what I did is I actually contacted a hiring manager and asked to schedule some time with them. It was an internal opportunity, so the hiring manager was very open to discussing with me why I wasn't selected for the position, and really my goal was to learn about what I could do to prepare myself for another opportunity that comes along, and I did. I went back to school. I took some additional classes, and I actually, the next time around, was selected for the position, and you know, they say timing is everything, and I think it is. And I was fully prepared to accept that role, and I was successful in doing that. So I think for every time that you're passed up, really try to look at it as a learning opportunity to learn from that. And the next time around, you'll be better prepared to accept that position moving forward.
1: Thank you, Janie. And I think that's such great advice to go back to the hiring manager to get their feedback do you now get that sometimes in your position where maybe uh, you have to make a decision between who, who to promote in in your team? And do you value those who come back to you asking for, for feedback as to why they, they may not have got the opportunity this time?
2: I do. And, you know, some funny things. Uh, just this morning, I had someone say to me, you know, that's why you have such a loyal following. People respect you. They respect your opinion. So I think um, just like Maggie and I'm sure Amy, it's about imparting our knowledge to our team and helping them grow and develop. And it's not about our success because our team's success speaks volumes to the work that we do as leaders. So anytime that I can help, I'm always there. And any bit of wisdom I can impart to even folks that aren't selected they'll take that with them throughout their career. So I think that we have the opportunity to really make an impression on those that we come in contact
1: with. Thank you, Janie. I really, really appreciate that advice. We've had a sort of good, good look back so far. But if I can ask Amy, how, how are you now adopting technology in the present day for your customers to meet and exceed their expectations?
0: You know, it's, it's funny because technology, it's changing every second, you know, just when you think you have the latest and greatest tomorrow, there's something better. Yeah. We all experience that with our iPhones and, you know, any phone that you get, you invest all this money. And then literally it seems like the next month they launch a new one, but uh, that's better and has more bells and whistles. You know, I'd like to say that I'm super proud and I don't think I appreciated the level of our technology at our company until the pandemic hit. When it hit, I realized the great foundation that our company had established through investing in both equipment and technology and our IT team, because we were able to roll out working from home pretty pretty seamlessly. You know, The IT guys would probably you know, look at me with bags under their eyes and go, yeah, it seems seamlessly for you, but, um, but seriously, I think it was the investment that the company had already made beforehand. So our base technology was really good and that allowed us to, I think, exceed our clients' expectations because we didn't skip a beat through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, in the claim world, everything keeps going. It's just like policies are expiring. You have to do something. You have to respond. We are dealing with people who are injured, who are hurt, who are relying on getting these payments and having their claims handled properly and timely. We can't say, sorry, you know, our systems are down, or sorry, it's going to take us a few months to get up and running, or our internet isn't working. So I was really impressed and proud at how quickly and how easily we rolled everything out. And then, on a, a more refined technology issue, we developed and launched a fabulous app. This was pre pandemic, but the app is great, and uh, our clients love it, and the claimants love it. And it's a one touch resource for our claimants and uh, injured workers and vendors to be able to look and see what the status of their claim is. They can have it on their phone. They can hit it at any time, check to see what's been submitted, what is pending, what the status of their claim is, who their adjuster is, all of that. So our clients really love that. And uh, also we have telemedicine, You know, through, uh, Janie can talk more about that, but that's huge. And that's really helpful to have that triage process through telemedicine. And um, I think it really gives our clients an advantage uh, when it comes to handling their claims and getting on top of them very quickly.
2: I would totally agree with that, Amy. And what you had mentioned about our nurse triage is really from the moment an injury happens, the injured worker will call in and within two rings of a phone at max, they've got a registered nurse on the phone with them, helping them maneuver the system to get them the appropriate care to connect them to a physician. And this all can happen within you know, a matter of 30 seconds from someone making that call to getting a live body on the phone. So I think to maneuver in a world where you're unsure, you're, you're, you know, you're hurt getting that care to them immediately and all the also gathering the facts, what happened, who did it, how did it happen? Was you know, did you fall? Was there a product liability? There's so many questions that go into a claim. Mm -hmm. Uh, Getting someone to gather those facts and memorialize them really sets the stage for a successful delivery of benefits. So I would agree 100%.
1: And when you have that integration of new technology into the business, is that something that goes through your IT channel, or is that something that you're quite involved in yourself to sort of seeing what benefits it would give for your customers?
0: Both. I think, I wish we had our CIO on this call because he would say that the three of us and uh, the members of our team are not shy and insist on being involved. So it's a hybrid.
1: Fantastic. Amy, what, what would you say are the major challenges you see ahead for insurance executives over the next few years and how do you think they should be adapting to be more successful?
0: You know, that that's kind of a loaded question. Obviously, there are a lot of areas that uh, we're all facing as challenges, you know, between the hardening market, the pandemic, social unrest, you know, there's so many balls in the air. And when I was trying to figure out which one to address, I think there's an underlying theme of flexibility. I really think that that's the biggest challenge that the industry faces. And I find it ironic because the insurance industry is custom-tailored and great at responding to crisis. That's the very purpose of the industry. But when it comes to working and interacting with our employees, our colleagues, our co-workers, we're a little rigid. I think that the industry can be very, this is the way it's always been done. So this is a way we're going to do it. Uh, I do think that the younger generations, especially the millennials, were really starting to make headway uh, with working from home and working in remote environments. And uh, there are certain areas of the insurance industry that already provoked that type of environment because they travel. You know, if you travel a lot for for what you're doing, you have to learn to work remotely. But uh, I think there was a big area where they still weren't allowing that or they were setting hours of eight and five because that's the way it's always been. I think that the pandemic forced all of us to face that head on and proved that you don't necessarily need to be in the office during these set hours in order to get work done. And you know we're US-based, so we are still dealing with a three to five hour swing and time difference, but the insurance industry is a global market. So the eight to five concept is very realistic on a global scale. I think that the challenge that we all have to meet in order to thrive and succeed is to not only be flexible with working from home and working in various environments, but also flexible hours. Mm -hmm. I think that we learned through the pandemic when people had to homeschool and people were home more and interacting with their loved ones and family members and children, you know, working traditional hours just wasn't feasible because you have to get your kids logged in and you have to feed them and you have to do this and that and you still have to be a full time employee. And uh, I got to say, we, ha- we had a lot of that in our company and our clients were so gracious. They were wonderful. Nobody complained about waiting until 10 o'clock at night to get an email. And uh, nobody asked why did I get an email at two three in the morning where before that would have been odd, and our employees really appreciated the support of being able to work on weekends if one of their children had you know a, a big blowout in their uh, learning experience from home. So I think we're really going to have to maintain that when the pandemic passes, and I think we need to be open to not only embracing those two huge changes, working remotely and flexible hours, but also be open to more change and and more opportunities for our employees so that we can not only recruit younger generations but we can retain them because yeah. they demand that and uh, we need to accommodate that
1: yeah i, I certainly think that um, over the course of the pandemic with all the zoom calls that we have with our with our clients <laughs> and uh, vendors that actually the relationships that we we build with them are, are slightly different because it, you're always in there in their home and their kids might come in or the dog might come in and you start getting to know the, almost the rest of their family. And um, although you're not meeting with them face to face, you almost feel like you're getting to know them even more on a personal level.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. I think that that's been a, a great part of the pandemic, you know, is is seeing a, a different side of people, you know, and um, seeing people relax and seeing people pivot. And I have to say it's made me a more empathetic leader really has you know and i appreciate that it's it's helped me grow enormously
1: this brings us nicely on to the espresso round as uh, the questions are short sharp and straight to the point maggie i know that you like an espresso in the morning uh, does everybody else ready for an espresso right now bring it on sir.
0: Sure. <laughs> the espresso round
1: Janie, what are the characteristics about your company that makes it such a great place to work at
2: you know I think it's that our company is kind of what Amy alluded to. It's really focused on taking care of its employees. You know, they provide robust benefit packages um, in the world where insurance premiums are going up with most companies. And it's almost unheard of for folks to be able to support their family, pay the insurance benefits so they can get medical care. Our company has held our premiums down without raising that for their employees. And to our employees, that means the world. Um, They have provided work from home opportunities, flexible work schedules, tuition reimbursement. Um, They really also feature a promote from within philosophy. So it gives our employees a chance to move up and grow within our organization. And I think our culture just embraces that. Our organization is very diverse. Um, We're very team-oriented. We promote a work-life balance. So as Amy mentioned, we've got a lot of issues competing uh, with the pandemic. Really, our company wants you to take care of your family, and they do really promote that work-life balance. There's also an open-door policy. So um, I also agree. I don't think any of our leaders um, have any qualms about where we stand because we're able to express our opinions. our opinions are always welcome. Um, I believe in today's world, these traits with companies is really, really hard to come by. I, I just don't think it's out there.
1: It sounds like a great place to work and fits in really well with what Amy was saying about how not only insurance executives, but also the companies need to be adaptable and flexible to a changing working environment. On that note, Amy, what what opportunities do you provide to high performing insurance professionals or leaders there to help them progress their careers?
0: Yeah, I can actually launch right off what Janie said. You know, we allow you to create your own career path. If you come on board and you see a position that you think you're better suited for, we will work to get you into that position. Uh, You know, you can, um, if you show motivation and interest and uh, hard work, you can truly make the position anything you want it to be.
1: And what, what do you look for when you're recruiting or when you're promoting people internally, what are the skills or the traits or the characteristics that you look for in your insurance executives?
0: Well, we, we insist on empathy. You know, we need people and want people and expect people to be curious and, and genuinely interested in the people they work with, because why would you spend the vast majority of your day doing things with people, both colleagues and clients who you're truly not interested in. So we really look for empathy which helps us cultivate great relationships. Uh we insist on integrity. I can say in my 26 year career so far. This is the most authentic organization I've ever been a part of. As Janie said, we have a really safe environment where we insist on candor and people aren't afraid to speak their minds. I've been impressed not only with the open dialogue and open criticism of each other that's done in a very professional and a very thoughtful manner. Mm -hmm. And then afterward, Nobody else talks about it. You know, I'm used to those conversations happening, and then everybody goes off afterward and, you know, has their little sidebars. We all get together afterward, and it's a really um, uplifting. A supportive area. It's it's not punitive in any way. So integrity is huge for us. And then last but not least, service. I you know I love that this organization believes in service based leadership. We don't have people who are just the boss. You will see any one of us answering the phone, sending thank you notes to our employees, trying to fix the the copy machine until we get toner everywhere. You know, I mean, we are truly service-based leaders and we don't ask anybody to do anything that we're either not doing ourselves or we do ourselves, just can't rate right then and there. So that's really important that we have people who are willing to do anything. Like Maggie said really early on, no position is above any other position. She will try anything, do anything and, you know, try to master it all. So we look for people with that service-based uh, intent.
1: It it sounds like once someone is within the business, there seems like lots of opportunities to progress. There's very much open door policy, so people can really take their careers as far as they want to take them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm a medical professional liability gal, and I pick up the phone and call Maggie or call Janie and any members of their team and say. What is accept deny? <laughs> you know, what is <laughs> utilization review? Or yeah, you know, and and we're all learning. Everybody yeah, is learning yeah. all the time. And, and that's a lot of fun. And I love the diverse uh areas of specialty in the three divisions because there is a lot of crossover. We are not siloed by any means. And, and I think that provides a lot of cross-education and opportunities for our employees.
1: And sort of flipping things the, the other side, what, what would you say are the largest? challenges you face when attracting new talent or what would you say are the sort of the biggest frustrations you can get with the recruitment process?
2: As um, you know I think from my perspective you know the one of the frustrations is the insurance industry is a really highly competitive job market so in order to improve our chances of attracting qualified candidates we have begun exploring new and different demographics than we normally have. We're um, doing you know, social media, transitional media. We're hiring recruiters to reach potential ca- potential candidates. I think the credibility that we bring forward in the market has really helped us. And it comes a lot of times from word of mouth. Um, if you go into an industry and you've been in that industry for years and years and years, normally, you know the places you would not want to work. Um, those are the ones that you're like, uh, no, no way. Um, You know, I think with Intercare and Intermed, we bring credibility. People that start here, they really don't want to leave. So a lot of our existing employees give us some great leads for employees that, you know, we have the possibility of bringing over. Um, We need to be competitive in order to attract the most qualified candidates. So one of the biggest frustrations I think that I face is when you are dealing with potential candidates and it could be just they they are not experienced in the industry, but they're chasing after the money. Instead of looking at the future in the long term, they go after that short-term satisfaction it's just about how much you're going to pay me. But I think as experience and as they grow in their career paths, they will learn that it's not always about the money. It's about the culture. It's about the environment. It's about the people that you work with. And so I would caution Uh, potential employees that are looking for you know new jobs really look at the culture of the company before you settle on that paycheck really make sure of what you're stepping into before you do it
1: yeah that that links in really well with with my final question actually janie if there are any insurance executives out there in the u.s at the moment considering their next move or opportunity what what would your advice be to them
2: you know one of the things that um I think is good about insurance is insurance there's always going to be a need for insurance some type of insurance there's always a need and i think like other industries property casualty insurance industry is facing a highly competitive job market as we strive to fill positions and for us to grow so as they're considering that i think that the unemployment rate in the insurance industry is virtually nil so if you want to have opportunities you want to grow Step into the insurance world. I almost feel like I'm marketing for insurance, but I truly agree with that. I'm passionate about it. Um, this, you know, our unemployment rate, uh, I think, is way below the national average in most job markets. And as Amy and Maggie both indicated, we've continued to thrive during the pandemic. So our business goes on. We haven't missed a beat, and everyone still needs insurance. People are still getting hurt. And our jobs are are really, I I think, in high demand. Um, Mm -hmm. While technology replaces some insurance jobs, the need for technology and claims is still there. It's thriving. Our IT department, we keep them busy 100% of the time looking for uh, efficiencies, looking for analytics. So if you're thinking about um, executives or actuarial positions, Insurance is the way to go. Um, and I think it will continue for forever to be in high demand. So, yeah. anyone considering it, I would suggest you certainly look at insurance as an opportunity for growth.
1: Thank you, Janie. And we, we certainly don't mind you uh, marketing for the insurance industry. That's yeah. not a problem at all. And um, completely agree with what you're saying. There. I think the pandemic has shown us what a brilliant. Industry we work in, and um, how resilient it is, what a mature market is, and actually what opportunities there are um, at any given stage within the industry. Thank you so much. We've almost reached the end of our time in the Insurance Coffee House USA today. Before we go, could I just ask for one piece of closing advice? And how would our listeners go about contacting you guys after the show?
0: Oh, yeah. You know, uh, we are a great resource. You can go to our website, which is intercare, Sam, dot com. Uh, You know, even if we're not working directly with you or your clients, like I said, we're a great resource and we're always happy to share because we firmly believe that when the market is supported across the board, we all do better. You know, high tides raise all boats. So give us a call. We're happy to connect you with resources, provide you with information that we have, uh, whether it be on the claim side, on the managed care side, litigation side, um, recommended counsel across the country for any line of liability and uh, personal injury so just reach out to us give us a call our email addresses and phone numbers are on the website
1: thank you so much amy and we'll be sure to put your, your contact details on our show notes on the podcast for our listeners to reach out to you just want to say a big thank you to all three of you for, for coming onto the show today Amy Maggie and Janie it's been a real pleasure and privilege to to have you on the show before we go, can can I just ask you for your one one piece of closing advice for our listeners before we leave today?
0: Gosh, have fun! You know, I think we've all realized life is too short, so find out what you like to do and who you like to do it with, and and that's your answer for what you should be doing and have fun.
3: And I know for me, uh, I would say don't be afraid to take risks, and if you ever wanted to accomplish something in your life, don't procrastinate. Just do it when you have the chance. And if you get rejected, don't take that as a rejection or failure. Take that as a lesson.
2: I would agree. Reach for the stars. I mean, gosh, we only pass by this way once. So, you know, live life to the fullest and, and be happy and never sell yourself short. Always reach for what you want.
1: Thank you so much. I've, that advice is absolutely invaluable. Just want to say again, thank you so much, ladies, for for coming onto to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it.
0: Thanks for having us, Nick. We appreciate you.
1: you. Thank you very much. And to all the insurance business leaders out there, whether you are based in the United States or internationally in the UK, Europe or around the world, we thank you for listening. And I'm sure you would have gained some valuable insights and learnings from these ladies today. If you do enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast app. And remember to download and subscribe to the show so you get a fresh batch of new episodes into your podcast app each week. Till next time, I've been Nick Hoadley. This has been the Insurance House USA. Take care. You've been listening
0: to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.